standoff tonight, Saul versus O'Keefe, Carrie versus her own state of mind. We're breaking down tonight's episode of Homeland. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. There it goes. <laughs> I'm waiting for the piano. I'm waiting for the piano. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, welcome to the Homeland After Buzz show. I am your host, Leslie Corral. You can catch me on all social media at Leslie Tapes and to my left. And yeah, uh, and my name's Roger. And you can find me on Twitter, Roger underscore Corral. Yes. So um, episode three of this latest season of Homeland season seven, um, Standoff. And it really was a standoff with sort of all of the characters this episode. Um, like I said, you had Saul versus O'Keefe, um, possible, you know, you know, gunfire situation out there. Carrie, you know, getting herself into more trouble again, sort of fighting her own state of mind. And then Keen. Uh, you know, unrealizingly going into, you know, some sort of battle with her own chief of staff. We had a lot of battles this episode. Yeah. Lots of battles. And Carrie internally. And that might be the most interesting of them all. Yes. So um, this episode starts off with her um, paying a visit to her psychiatrist. Um, and she's completely frazzled. She is clearly not doing well. And she admits it herself. Yeah, I, I she she's getting more desperate, and we've seen this carry before. Yeah, I, I'm I'm worried for her because I know I mean we've seen where this goes before, didn't they? They they turned her in once to a hospital, and she even said it herself. There's times when it it works out for herself, but her own manic state sometimes makes her paranoid in in ways that isn't helpful to her and obviously wasn't helpful to the CIA. So now you have a crazy lady out there. And again, I don't mean to offend, you know, she's not crazy, but... She's not mentally well. And yeah, I agree. Um, when she went to, um, you know, Dr. Meyer's office, she was, um, she came off very um, uncontrolled. And even the doctor herself felt like she was kind of frightened of her. Carrie, at one point, she was like, aren't you going to sit down? And she's just like, um, no, I'm going to stand here and let's see how this situation unfolds. She kind of freaked her out a little. Yeah, and we've seen this in other shows. I feel like we're about to go into Tony Soprano territory where, you know, he goes to visit a psychiatrist, psychologist. Um, the same thing has happened in Mr. Robot, other similar shows, where we eventually see the the psychiatrist unravel more of the person and the more you unravel the scarier it gets and i think the, the her psychiatrist is going to be in for for a scary situation when when everything goes down because right now i mean how much does she freak out when she was scared that she might get her daughter taken it's only going to get worse because she always puts herself in these situations that eventually they're, they're life and death almost and they affect not only her but sometimes they affect the country they affect her family and it's intense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to be fair, probably for every parent, losing your child is the scariest thing that can happen. And then for Carrie, who, um, you know, already feels things, I feel like, at an exponentially larger level, it's even more terrifying. Um, so, yeah, she shows up at Dr. Myers' um, office, clearly frustrated. I mean, we just came off of this last episode where she had this confrontation with, um, you know, a hacker. She beat him up. And, um, you know, she's sort of realizing that she um, no longer has impulse control, which that's never been <laughs> her strong suit. And so she starts listing off these symptoms to the doctor and basically saying, you know, I think you're right. I think the lithium maybe is wearing off and I need something um, I need something right away. 
But the doctor, she's kind of like, you know, why are you bleeding from your head? Like, what's going on? Do you need to go to a hospital? Um, Carrie lies, makes up a story about drinking and falling down. She lies a lot this episode. Ah, what's new, right? I feel like typical Carrie trying to get out of things. Um, If anything, I was surprised how honest she's trying to be with her psychiatrist. The fact that she told her, you know, I need more medication. I feel like she's always tried to even hide that she needs medication. Unless I'm remembering wrong. Um, So that in itself, I I feel like we've seen the development of her grow in terms of her acknowledging how bad her manic state could get without the proper medication. So, yeah, I'm hoping for the best. I know we're barely in, in the first few episodes, but I'm rooting for her. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think this episode, um, she even, and I don't think she's ever spoken, and maybe if I'm wrong, I don't think she's ever spoken so openly about how much the drugs help her. She was like, lithium literally saved my life. Um, And I don't know, hearing that from Carrie, just the acknowledgement of how much, how dependent she is, um, you know, on prescriptions in order to be stable. Um, The doctor questions her like, "Uh, are you sure you're not suicidal or anything? Is there anything you're leaving out? Carrie's adamant that she is not. She would never do that to Franny. But then the doctor asks her, okay, well, are you a danger to anyone else? And to that question, Carrie's kind of hesitant to answer. <laughs> That's the caveat. That is the caveat. <laughs> um, and so uh, Carrie goes back home, talks to her sister, and um, her sister was very worried because she didn't know where she was. And Carrie tells her, okay, so the doctor says that I should go basically medicate myself into, like, a coma. Um be down for a while and then reset with some new line of prescriptions. But she's concerned that um, it's going to take months, a super long time before she finds the right regiment for her that keeps her stable. And she sort of has like a mini breakdown in front of her sister because all of that freaks her out. And again, I think that's nice. I I, I think we keep seeing the development of Carrie. Um, I'm not a big fan of her family storyline, but I mean, it is part of her growth as a person because you see her the way she handles her personal life compared to her professional life i thought the suicidal question was really important because you do feel concerned for her sometimes and if anything i i, I think you don't see that many characters on tv facing mental issues and i mentioned mr robot earlier even he's seen as they, they make him seem as a genius i think uh, homeland does a good job of giving us a a person, a protagonist that we could relate to. And, you know, she she handles her her mental issues in a way that a lot of people probably go through. And not only does she go through that, but again, she worked in the CIA. She's working with the FBI agent now. She has other stuff that weighs on her shoulders. So I think it's, I'm not surprised that she broke down in front of her sister. If anything, I think we're going to see more of it. And... I, again, I'm rooting for her. I hope that leads towards a happy life for her. <laughs> well, I, I think that was an interesting observation that you said about Mr. Robot, um, Elliot's character, also seen as a genius. I think Carrie herself is almost a genius yeah. to the extent of like she's like um, she's been a CIA sort of like mythical, um, you know, agent who she was able to do all of these amazing things. And um, I think at some point in this episode, she also admits that um, I think it was to Dante that sometimes her uh, mental state helped her. Yeah. Her manic episodes helped her make connections and solve um, problems. Um, but yeah, so in this scene, she's super vulnerable to her in front of her sister. Um, Her sister stays calm and she's just like, okay, you have to stop. We're going to figure this out. And then um, Carrie sort of goes into this um, 
you know, she takes a nap and she goes into this, okay, I'm going to accept this. I'm going to treat myself. We're going to do this and move on. And then, of course, she gets pulled back in. <laughs> typical, again, typical Carrie. Just when you're, I'm rooting for her. Every time that I start rooting for her, stuff goes down. This, although, I feel like this really wasn't her fault. <laughs> I feel like it made me dislike the new character, Dante, who is pulling her back in. So, essentially, what happens is she tries to take a nap after taking all these medications. <laughs> her phone's ringing. It's her burner phone. And then non-stop knocking at the door. Like, who's at the door? Like, this person's really <laughs> angry. It's Dante. And um, apparently he uh, did end up looking into the picture that she sent. And he found out some stuff that made him suspicious That's of right. this That's woman right. who was in Wellington, Keene's chief of staff's apartment. Um, and this sends Carrie right down the rabbit hole again. <laughs> um, but what I felt like was kind of annoying was she... Basically, again, a moment of honesty here. She tells him, hey, I'm bipolar. Yeah. I'm going through this, and I, I can't right now. And he just like, you know, whatever, we're doing this. Again, I, I apologize to anyone that I, I don't know the different types of uh, mental issues, that uh, how they're diagnosed or how they're labeled. Um, but, yeah, she said she's bipolar. I don't know if I knew that before. Um, I think that is different than being in a manic disorder. And, yeah, I mean, revealing those things to him it's pretty honest. Again, I, I I feel like she's opening up more. I don't know if being at home is making her more um, vulnerable and being away from any action is making her more uh, susceptible to just giving in to people. But yeah, I thought it was brutally honest of her to do that because once you do that, it's unfortunate, but I think sometimes people do start to judge you or look at you in a different way. You know, the next time that she might act crazy or go off yeah. the rails, they'll be like, oh. It's her manic state again. And that's, you know, that's unfortunate. No one wants that. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. I The show has addressed that she has bipolar before. Um, okay. But it was just like she told him, okay, I'm sick. Like she didn't necessarily disclose the whole situation right away. And then he's just like, oh, get over it. It was just very dismissive and annoying. And I'm like, I already don't <laughs> like you, guy. Um, but yeah, and so then when she finally tells him, he, it, I feel like it doesn't register with him. And I mean, later he tells her that he had an ex-girlfriend who suffered the same thing. And so maybe, I don't know, it doesn't phase him as much. But That's in my true. opinion, it's like, can you just not let her heal herself? Can you not find someone else to investigate this with you? Really, sir? You need Carrie? And you're going to potentially put her in bad situations that she's not mentally capable of handling. It was weird, right? It was just like, oh. He, he it was like, a very unlikable trait he did there. I wonder if that was just a, a, a bad writing... Um, choice? A, a bad choice. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I didn't realize that he did mention that about his previous... Was it a sex girlfriend yeah. or his wife? So, yeah, it, it, would, it seems weird that he would... Because you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, he probably understands. Or whatever reaction he has, you're like, he knows how to handle this. Maybe he's acting like you're supposed to. I don't think you're supposed to take <laughs> someone that just revealed that to you on an FBI heist um, to break into a house. It's weird. It is weird. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously, he's just not very sensitive to it. Or he's just <laughs> all gung-ho about the mission all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, so I guess they go to this woman's apartment. Well, they stake it out first. And then, they, and then Carrie breaks in. And starts taking pictures left and right. And as she's leaving, she gets pulled over by police um, because someone spotted her breaking into the apartment or the house. <laughs> um, and then she finds herself again in, a, in another precarious situation.
situation where she's surrounded by police officers. They are looking at her like, we just, you know, we know you were breaking and entering. And she really tries to be smooth at first. <laughs> Do I look like a burglar? <laughs> and it's like, well, Carrie, what what are you trying to say there? What was a burglar supposed to look like? I, I thought, I mean, first off, a white woman being pulled over in a residential area in the D.C. area. You know, I lived in D.C. I worked for the federal government there for a while. I, I, I lived in the residential areas. It's, you don't see that. Like, it's weird. I, I mean, I definitely think, like, they're trying to poke fun at the fact that, um, you know, <laughs> it, it might not be typical. But at the same time, that's the whole point. You shouldn't prejudge, like, just because you are a blonde white woman doesn't, and you're wearing, you know, whatever kind of clothes doesn't mean <laughs> that you weren't just breaking into someone's house. So she refuses to give her name. Yeah. And so they have to arrest her and take her in um, for questioning. Uh, and this whole time, Carrie just like packs on more and more lies. Like at first she's like, oh no, I knew the woman. Um, oh, but you know, she's a immigration problem. And then later she's like, oh, well, I'm in this thing. Like <laughs> She's trying to find. She's really trying <laughs> to like get herself out of this situation. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame her. She's trying to find any answer that could get her out of the situation. And I kept thinking, I was like, what? What can she say? I feel like whatever she says, it's going to be detrimental because she doesn't want her fingerprint. She doesn't want her name. She doesn't want anything. And that's kind of hard to do. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like, I still don't get, it seems like her and Dante staked out the place. He was supposed to be waiting outside what? I'm not sure what happened there exactly. Did he bail when the police showed up? <laughs> oh, gosh. I feel like that, I'm not 100% what happened. Maybe you guys could clarify. But it kind of, I don't know. I got the impression that she just kind of went off on her own just to, like, really see instead of just, like, initially stake out, which was the plan, I think. Um, but, yeah, uh, it sucks because as much as I don't want Carrie to, like, be in trouble and lose Franny because she got arrested and all this stuff. <laughs> in my head, I was like, come on, Carrie. Like, you can't expect to just get away with this. Like, they have to arrest you at some point. You can't just tell a sob story and expect them not to treat you like they would treat any other person who broke into a house. Yeah, but again, like I said, a, a, a middle-aged white woman in a residential area in D.C. I mean, honestly, she's probably never even been arrested. Um, it's, well, it's... We know she's been arrested many times. <laughs> <laughs> not, not for like a petty, not, not, yeah, a petty crime. It, it, it's weird, and I, I, I'm, I'm not shocked by her reaction because, again, it's surprising. I mean, the cops showed up within a minute. Whatever neighbors are in that area, they're quick. They're looking out. <laughs> yeah, they, they are. Could watch. <laughs> um, and so yeah, she, um, she manages though to still get out without having to disclose her name or her information <laughs> because Dante yeah. pulled some strings. He said he still has some, I don't know, I guess pull somewhere and he gets her out. So good for her. She, you know, lives to, you know, fight another day and, you know, be with her daughter. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's funny how she keeps landing herself in all of these scenarios where it kind of looks like her back's against the wall and somehow she, you know, slithers out of it. She did. She, I felt like she felt kind of used in this scenario. Um, like you said, I mean, they. she just revealed her bipolar disorder mm -hmm. to him. He decided, okay, well, now that you told me that, let's break it into an apartment. Uh, it's, it's weird. And she he, he ended up leading her down this path where, you know, she still got her fingerprint. She went through the process. That's still a scary process. And, I mean, lucky for her, the FBI has connections and... 
If there's one thing I've learned from cop shows is that the FBI could get you out of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in this case, for sure. Um, I don't think she got her fingerprints, though. I think she did manage to avoid leaving any kind of track. Oh, that... I think she was crying, wasn't she? Remember? And they pressed her. I don't remember. But I'm pretty sure they pressed her head on the on the desk where they do your fingerprint. Mm-hmm. And they put her finger on it. Unless I'm remembering wrong. But I'm pretty sure that happened. And if not, then I'm going... Well, she was crying a lot. Um, it's funny because... So we know that she's in a bad mental state. But I also think Carrie herself is a good actress. Yeah, yeah, And, of like, uses her <laughs> own emotional state to, like, you know, amplify her lies and make them more believable. Um, uh, but, yeah, at the end, um, the episode ends with um, Carrie and Dante sort of having, like, a moment of quiet at the end, um, you know, next to his car... And it, it felt like it was kind of a good moment for her because she she really does need some peace. Um, and even if it was just for those moments at the end that she got them, I feel like she's not going to let this, you know, case or situation that they've discovered go to, you know, just go out the out the window. She's going to be involved. Um, and I feel like he provides her an opportunity to, again... Um, be able to be a part of something that matters, that is a uh, part of national security. Uh, and I feel like, you know, she doesn't have Saul at the moment. She doesn't have the president's ear at the moment. Um, somehow she found a former friend who um, conveniently, conveniently shows in. up this season and <laughs> is in the FBI. So good for her. I mean, yeah, she would have friends, but um, comes right at the perfect time. I was going to ask, so they do kind of talk about... Um, I don't know. He talks about his former relationship, and he also at one point discloses that it wasn't because of um, his ex's bipolar disorder. It was his drinking that sort of ended that relationship. But do you think that they're kind of setting up some kind of romance with these two down the line? Yeah, I feel like she's always needed a friend. Uh, You know, she had it with Quinn. She had it with Saul. She had it with Brody. um, And most of those end up in a romantic situation. I think, you know. Saul. (laughs) <laughs> naturally, when you're in a... But even then, actually, Saul's wife seemed to be jealous at times. I think naturally, when you're, you know, you're single, you're out there doing your thing, and you work with someone, and yeah, I don't I don't see why not. I don't see why this wouldn't potentially be a romance, even if it's if it's Just a minimal. Hookup? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's probably going to happen. Um, but yeah, at the end, Carrie tells him she managed to... Um, download her whole computer hard drive, um, the woman whose apartment she broke into, and get a picture of the ticket. So that was the thing that really got them suspicious about this woman in Wellington's apartment was that there was a ticket from her car um, outside of the building like the day before um, General McClendon was killed. So that whole thing is suspicious and shady. Um, And so, again, that might be another hint that Wellington, Keene's chief of staff, did have a hand in McClendon's death. Somehow we're going to loop it back to Wellington. And this guy is looking shadier by the moment. Oh, my gosh. This episode, I feel (laughs) like every... I mean, he's made questionable decisions, but this one really made me think, like, whoa, dude. (laughs) What are you doing? I mean, we know what he's doing now. I mean, it sucks. So, essentially, in this episode, um, the military... 
you know, seniority comes to Keene and tells them that they want to do a military strike um, in Syria. There's an opportunity. And Keene is very firm that that's not her stand. She wants to scale back military um, efforts. And I really liked that she stuck to her guns because that's something that she campaigned on and she doesn't want to back down from. And she was really firm with um, in that meeting with the general, whoever suggested this um, this strike. And then Wellington's trying to advise her, hey, you know, maybe you should do it. The situation with Saul and O'Keefe is looking kind of, you know, it's kind of scary. It might look bad on us. This will make us look strong. And she's just like, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, and and good for her because yeah. I feel like, you know, she's already changed a few of her stances after the attempted murder um, assassination. Um, and so, you know, she kind of bypassed the whole judicial process and all of that stuff to arrest all these people but i feel like she was standing her ground and being true to her original self pre all the crazy and then wellington goes and takes it away wellington it seems like i mean it and it happens um you know if if you if you read up on a lot of administrations you always have that one person who tries to be in control a lot of the time um, while the president's away. You know, it happened with President Bush, with Dick Cheney. Um, it, ha- it happens It happens quite often. I think in Obama's first term, uh, Rahm Emanuel was accused of doing similar, uh, similar behavior. So it's not surprising that he wants to control the narrative because it makes his job easier. Uh, but I think an important thing that a lot of these public officials forget is that that person was publicly elected. And you were you're brought in to help that person's agenda. If you ended up electing uh, a woman who you feel like defies the federal government uh, agencies, that's who you elected. You know, if you elect a white supremacist, that's who you elected. Essentially, the person that's there, that's what the American public wanted. And the people that he hires under him, they're there to help that agenda. Well, in this situation... Wellington, I guess, seems to think he knows better than Keene. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, and no, this person, you're right, he wasn't elected. People chose her, and yet her vision and her platform is being changed without her knowledge, um, without her authority. Um, so what he does is, even after he tries to convince her to do it, and she's like, no, he calls the general and basically says, oh, the president authorized me to do the strike. And um, the military guy is like, well, I need to hear it directly from the president. And Wellington says, well, in the morning, she might have changed her mind. Basically <laughs> yeah. hinting that, yeah, you got to do this now. I was really surprised that... I mean, it, it is this homeland. It's a TV show, but I was still really surprised that they had the general be like, "Okay," and he's going to do it when it's very clear insinuation that this didn't come from the president. Um, and basically, it's frustrating because I feel like Keynes had all of these men from the get-go think they know more than her, they know better, and try to strip her authority away. Um, And it's unfortunate because she can't really exercise, you know, the power that she was given when she was elected because everyone else keeps either, you know, trying to like whisk her away, present all these alternative like situations and facts and trying to get her killed and now authorizing this military airstrike. Like that's frightening that this person has this control and power to do it. And, you know, she's asleep. And I think, I mean, we've discussed this before. She has every right to be paranoid. You have all these generals, all these agencies that are going against her. And it's scary because, again, 
that's the face of the country. For better or for worse, whoever you like or you don't like, that's your face of the country. That's who represents your nation um, because she she won the electoral vote. So at that point, I feel like these generals, and that's why, you know, the current administration, it's, it's scary a lot of the times because they have a lot of generals in there. Um, an important thing in government is always to exert diplomacy uh, throughout the world. And, you know, you have the State Department, you have a lot of these selected officials who are experienced in that. And that's why most politicians end up running for the executive office, because they they have that experience. Not only do they have the legislative experience, not only are most of them lawyers, uh, but they, they have good judgment and they know things about policy and world government. And so you have someone like her who got elected by the by the people and instead, you know, these these generals who know nothing but military duty try to usurp that. And I think they're taking advantage of the situation that's happening with O'Keefe mm-hmm. because it, it benefits them. They're, they're looking out for themselves. And I think it's a shame because, again, I think everyone should be looking out for the country. Yeah. Um, and so Wellington, I guess... The explanation that they sort of presented in this episode is he feels so concerned about the situation with Saul and O'Keefe that he's justifying this attack. I feel like that's a very weak reason to do it. I feel like there has to be something else. And maybe they kind of painted a picture on the wall with um, him being involved in um, General Clinton's murder that there's something else going on. I mean, there might be like another person that he might be working for or some kind of situation but essentially, they're still trying to control Keen. Um, no, I do think it's weak. I mean, you're completely right in that. I feel like I, I don't think there's anything more than that. They're trying to make their jobs easier. They want what they want, and they're defying her. I feel like, if anything, I wouldn't be surprised if he set up the McClinton uh, McClintock murder um, to again try to make her look bad. This is all a matter of them looking better, possibly getting a replacement for her, and someone that goes along with your typical missions that were already underway or uh they had planned and they're not they're they're relenting they're not giving up i mean there's so many people right now just like coming after um my boy saul is holding it down though um this episode was mostly him and o'keefe and a standoff i feel like saul i'm really glad i mean if anything wellington did good but by bringing him on board on the team because he really does like make thoughtful rational decisions within the scope of his power yeah um and i think that's good for keen to have saul working um on her side um because you know he's not he's not someone who's dishonest or going to you know make something worse. I feel like and and this episode showed it. He's very level headed, um, and he really tries to reason with O'Keefe and 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 find a situation that isn't going to be filled with gunfire, potential deaths, and dangerous situations. He really wants to just talk it out and be diplomatic. I will say, I mean, as diplomatic as he is. Saul always ends up being a little naive for all his goodwill, for all of his uh, good judgment. Um, he tends to be naive. I mean, he got swindled by Dara Dahl, you know, when that mission was happening in Iraq. I don't remember where it was. Um, and he got swindled here. He he tends to be a little naive in the motivations of others um, that aren't to the benefit of the country. I feel like he always assumes that everyone will make the rational decision and it's like, okay, you know, you guys caught me, whatever. And I, I feel like he, he doesn't really capture the notion that 
once you have someone that's rebelling against the government, more than likely they're going to stay that way. <laughs> it's not like your conversation is going to sway them too much. I mean, you have a point. I do think, though, that Saul, I don't, I wouldn't dis- necessarily describe him as naive. I feel like he, he still tries to find the reason in the conversation. And yeah. I mean, he knows that O'Keefe really isn't like, I think he knows that O'Keefe doesn't buy all of the talking points and rhetoric that he says. And this is someone who is just, you know, a mouthpiece for whatever, um, you know, fame or organization that he's working for. And at the end of the day, he just wants to fix things with the least amount of drama. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a very fair assessment. And you're right. I feel like the minute he started talking to O'Keefe, you got the sense that he was like, what do you want? And O'Keefe just has talking points. O'Keefe just says your typical rhetoric. And it shows that it's just self-fulfilling. And, I mean, you and I have been, you know, we've been in the TV industry. We, you get those people where, you know, I, I, I went to law school. And I have, I have people approach me and they're like, oh, this is the way this law should happen. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Or, you know, I, I, um, I work, again, I worked in D.C. for the government. And I have people come up to me, oh, this is uh, the way the government should do this and that. And I'm like, that's not how it works. I've been in TV and people are like, oh, you should do this. You should do that. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. I feel like people tend to do things for self-fulfilling purposes without any backing. And O'Keefe feels like one of those people where he's just blurting out talking points because it makes him a powerful figure. Really, he doesn't have good advice for anyone. He doesn't really have a good motivation to help the country. All he's doing is making himself look good get money get a career that's it and you face it in every industry i feel like you have those people that unfortunately again it happens in every industry but in here it affects our government and that's where it becomes a big issue yeah i mean i see what you mean it's yeah exactly i don't think that i'm still struggling to find what o'keefe's motivation is like i want to I, I'm still suspicious as to if he's still working for someone or if he really is solely doing this just for the notoriety of it. It's kind of hard to tell with him. It is hard to tell. I still think it's the notoriety because I think once he was talking to him, you realize that he's just he's talking points. That's all he is. He just cares about the attention. Not once have we heard him say genuine advice to anyone. Not once have we heard him actually discuss real policy. And I've said this before, you know, we saw it in the last election. It's easy to throw suggestions and throw insults at um, at people working in government from the outside. It's always easy mm-hmm. to criticize from the outside. Once you're in, you realize how dirty it is. And the fact that this guy doesn't even have any recommendations to what our government should do, he doesn't have any real, um, real policy ideas that he wants implemented, it's either sexist, um, ignorant, or both. And at this point, it's to me, it's obvious that it's notoriety. And if it's not, I would be really surprised. No, yeah. And I feel like he shows it when he interacts with the people who are so staunchly defending him that he he doesn't really care about them. He hasn't showed any kind of actual concern for their life. Um, He seems very willing to let all of these strangers and this family that's, you know, taking care of him and offering safe harbor. He's it seems like he's willing to just let them all die in gunfire, you know, for the sake of himself. Yeah. Um, 
when Saul arrives and, you know, he talks, he, he's like, you know, we, let's talk. You know, as soon as he sees that he has like this row of, you know, men behind him with guns, you know, w- willing to take on the FBI, it sort of like, I think gave him like his little ego boost. Like, yeah. you know, you know, I got this. And then he even tells one of them, you know, if I have like the main national security advisor of the president here, this means I'm big. It's just ego. Big effing yeah. news, big effing deal. Um, And it sucks because... You know, Saul could easily, you know, he has the whole FBI. They could just raid the place and, like, arrest them, take them in. Saul's really trying not to, like, you know, have any collateral damage here. And O'Keefe just doesn't care, it seems like it. It's unfortunate. I feel like it reminded me of the Clive and Bundy situation a few years ago. Um, There was this guy, Clive and Bundy, I think, in North Dakota. He was using federal land. Um, The federal government came in and told him, that's our land. You're going to have to pay taxes. And he, he defied them. He came out with guns a-blazing. Uh, they went to the Capitol with guns. And in the end, they ended up prevailing in court. It's it's unfortunate. You don't want to get too political into the reasons why. It, it, it feels a little bit of white privilege in that sense. I feel like O'Keefe went to a rural area in America where people do defy the government. They don't like uh, people interfering with them, whether it's helpful or not. Um, and, I mean, the people that came to help him... Again, it feels like it's it's for the sake of standing up to the government. It's this image where you have guns and you have authority over the government who can't tell you anything. And yeah. it's obvious they get off that. They, they enjoy it. And as much as I, I like that they didn't want to make a big deal out of that, I think at some point, you know, the federal government has to stand up to these type of scenarios and not allow that. Because once you set a precedent, I mean, now they're holed up there. What are you going to do? You have this whole city that's against you, and that's only going to aggregate into further cities. And it it makes it a tough situation, not only for the FBI, but as we could see, it's probably going to make it a tough situation for the president. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because so this mini militia, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, like, what are they actually, like, doing this for? Like, the guy was like, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not surrendering i'm not arresting you're gonna have to pull a bullet at my back like he's ready and it's like for this person what is this person doing for you and what is what is actually going to be accomplished with any of that i do think at one point um o'keefe like he had a look in his face like maybe he was in over his head and he was a little scared but i don't think he's backing down i think um Saul and someone else at one point tells him, you know, he's in the most power of negotiation right at this moment. And he definitely wants to take advantage of that. And hopefully we don't see too much, you know, gunfire and death in this upcoming episode. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, the episode sort of leaves off unresolved that situation. Yeah, I'm hoping it doesn't drag on too much for the sake of my entertainment. But I mean, I think at this point, again, you're going to have to go in and there's going to have to be a gunfight. You know, it happened. I mentioned the Clive and Bundy situation. Um, it happened with the Branch Davidian people in Waco. At some point, you have people that stand up to the government. They don't want to pay attention. And optics have to go out the window at some point. You have to govern. You have to in, in, employ the law. And as much as they may hate it, I, I think that's what's going to end up happening. I hope it doesn't result in anything too bad, but that's where I see it going. Okay. Um, and then I was also going to say good for um, O'Keefe's uh, producer slash girlfriend for getting out of there. She was like, <laughs> I'm, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. And she like ran into the woods, into the FBI, hands up saying, hey, something's going down there. It's, it's funny. I first thought that that was a setup. I don't think it was, right? 
I didn't get that feeling. Okay. I, I, it felt, at first I was like, wait a minute. This feels like a setup so they could go somewhere else. But you're right. I feel like she she probably was genuinely scared. Yeah. And I, she's been saying for like the last two episodes that she wants to get out. And he keeps keeping her in. And now she's like, <laughs> yeah, she well, has. hell, I'm going to be in the middle of a shoot off. I got to get out of here. Because you literally have a mini militia on one side, the whole FBI force on the other. I wouldn't want to be stuck in the middle. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be stuck on either side, honestly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so overall, I thought it was a pretty solid episode. And I guess we'll see next week, you know, where the standoff leads. So I guess this is a good place to go into predictions. Predictions. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. (laughs) I like the the alien. The music always makes me want to predict aliens in the story. Is that that what's happening next episode? Maybe. Aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. uh, I mean, I, you know, from the preview, it looks like, you know, this situation with standoff O'Keefe and Saul is going to escalate and, I don't know. Gonna get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> gonna get crazy. Uh, I, I'm. I feel like we're gonna keep seeing the unraveling of Carrie, and at some point, I feel like they do this every season. I don't know when she's gonna eventually interact with Saul. I feel like Homeland tends to make us wait for that, and we might not see it till the end. But I don't think they realize they're beneficial for you're each other. Right? They don't hang out anymore. I, know. I miss Saul and Carrie. Yeah, BFF. Exactly. <laughs> they're, and they always realize it in the end. They're like, you know, I missed you, and it's like, well, then why are you guys separated again? I feel like I'm. I'm hoping that it happens sooner than later, especially for the sake of Carrie, because Carrie is going to go through some rough times, and I'm not sure if her helping the FBI is the best. Uh, for her own mental state. I mean, it's definitely not. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah and, and, and unfortunately, I feel like Carrie and Sausage storyline right now are completely different places. I don't actually don't see them coming together at any time soon, um, even though that would be cool. Um, yeah, uh, I definitely think oh, it sucks. I feel like we're going to keep seeing this over and over. Carrie being put in really um, tight situations because, you know, even in this episode, she started after she took the downers or whatever was going to put her in a relaxed coma state. She took Adderall to, like, kind of wake her back up again. Now yeah. she's, like, mixing prescriptions. I Something bad's going to happen there. She's going to go off the deep end. And I feel like the fact that they this episode kind of re-mentioned that she does still have that situation with Franny and child services, she might end up losing her at some point. Um, Ugh. Because she just won't let go. Like, she has to be part of this investigation. And, you know, freaking Dante has to <laughs> pull her back in. And he can't do it with anyone else, apparently. Our predictions are all bad. Everything <laughs> bad is happening. Well, I predict, and I don't know if this will actually happen, but this is what I would like to see, is um, Keen's going to find out what Wellington did and be furious, right? Because, what the hell? You can't just order a military strike without her authorization. Um, and I hope she gets rid of him. That's my prediction slash hope. I love that. That's great. All right, cool. Um, Alrighty, so where can the good folks find you? All right, so you can find me on Twitter, Roger underscore Corral. All righty, and you guys can find me, Leslita Face, um, on Twitter and Instagram. Sounds good. All right, thank you guys so much, and we will see you guys next week. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. 
I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.